The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Sunday, December 1st, 2019. On this day in 1948, a man was found dead on Somerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia, with no clues to his identity. The investigation into his person would fascinate the world, but ultimately prove fruitless. He was eventually known only by two words found on a piece of paper in his pocket. Tom M. should. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're discussing the Tom M. should case, also known as the mystery of the Somerton Man. Now let's go back to December 1st, 1948, around 6 in the morning. A soft breeze floated in from the sea, carrying the smell of fish and brine. The sun had just climbed above the horizon, and it cast its early morning rays upon the sand of Somerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia. Two 16-year-old boys, training to be jockeys, took their horses for an early morning stroll along the waves. As they made their way south, the two boys spotted a man lying on the ground. He laid flat, nose upwards, eyes closed. His dirty blonde hair was messy, but his face was clean-shaven. The boys thought nothing of it at the time. After all, the Australian beach in the summer was a great place to spend the night. It was warm and comfortable, and many people had spent their evenings lounging across the sand and mornings nursing their hangovers. They assumed this man was simply one of many, sleeping off his drink in the morning light. They pressed on past Somerton Beach, further down the coastline. As they rode, the sun rose. When they saw their horse's breath grow heavy, they decided to turn around. At 6.30 in the morning, they returned to Somerton Beach. The boys continued chatting as if nothing was the matter, but then they saw that same sleeping man flat on his back on the ground. He lay in the exact same position, undisturbed. This they found odd. They had never seen a drunk lay so still for so long, so they approached the man to check on him. As they neared, they saw he wore a simple brown suit with a white shirt and striped tie. His ankles were crossed and his eyes were closed. They called out to him, but he didn't respond. One boy hopped off his horse and stepped a little closer, even more concerned than he'd been before. He reached out and grabbed the man's foot. He lifted the man's leg and uncrossed it, but still, there was no response. 
With shaking hands, the other boy reached out and felt the man's neck. There was no pulse. He was dead. The boys looked at each other, unsure of what to do. Just then, another man shouted out to them. As this stranger approached, he asked the boys if the man on the ground was okay. They told him no, the man had passed away. They watched the stranger's face fall as he processed the news. He explained that he had seen the man laying there the night before and that the man had raised his arm at him. At the time, he thought the man was drunkenly lighting a cigarette. Now he worried it may have been the man's last desperate plea for help. Distraught by this revelation, he told the boys to stay put and watch the body. He would run and call the police. As the man departed, the boys looked down at the corpse in front of them. They had no idea that they had chanced upon one of the greatest mysteries Australia had ever seen. When we return, we'll learn what made the Somerton man so mysterious. Now back to the story. At 6.30 a.m. on December 1st, 1948, two 16-year-old jockeys discovered a dead body on Somerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia. Another man, Jack Lyons, had seen the mysterious man lying on the sand the night before, but didn't realize anything was amiss. Now, Lyons rushed to inform the police of his death. As the police arrived on the scene, they immediately got to work. Who was this mysterious man who had died on the beach? Unfortunately, that question would prove almost impossible to answer. As they dug through his pockets, they found a matchbox, chewing gum, a pair of combs, an unused bus ticket, and a carton of cigarettes. Strangely, the man had no form of identification on his person. Even the labels on his clothing had been removed. Without a name, the police dubbed him the Somerton Man. They examined his body for any indication of what had killed him, but he had no noticeable bruises, no cuts, no strangulation marks, no gunshots, no visible wounds of any kind. The Somerton man was sent to the morgue for an autopsy. They determined he was in prime physical condition, except for hemorrhages within his liver and stomach, as well as a strikingly engorged spleen. His cause of death was as mysterious as his identity. The coroner was unable to prove any specific cause of death, so he was left to speculate. He thought the most likely explanation for the Somerton man's death was a secret, undetectable poison. With this intriguing theory, police grew even more determined to figure out this man's identity. His death was a world of possibilities. Perhaps he had committed suicide, or perhaps he had been murdered by an international spy organization. In a desperate attempt to gain more clues, a forensic pathologist re-examined the body. This time, the pathologist stumbled across something peculiar. 
one of his pockets held a tiny scrap of paper with only two words printed upon it. Tamam should. These words were Persian. They translated to, it is finished. The strangely apropos meaning was enough to convince the pathologist that the Somerton man's death was anything but natural. The distinctiveness of the words also became a public calling card for the mystery of the death, cementing it in history as the Tamam Should case. The typeface, ink, and torn sides of the paper scrap made it appear as if the paper had been ripped from a book. The police became determined to find that book. They put out a public call for any copies of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, a poetry book famous for closing with the words, Tamam Should. It wasn't long before an anonymous man came forward with a copy of the book. He claimed it had been thrown into his car on November 30th, the day before the Somerton man was discovered dead. To make matters more interesting, this copy of the book happened to have a hole torn out in the page where the words should be. After examining the book and the scrap of paper in a microscope, it became clear that this book had belonged to the Somerton man. The mystery had suddenly grown more mysterious. When they looked in the book, they found several lines of seemingly random letters, possibly a coded message, and at least two separate telephone numbers. When the police called the first number, they did not receive a reply. However, the next number reached a woman named Jessica Thompson. When Jessica was asked about the man, she denied knowing him. However, when they showed her a plaster cast of the man's face, she reacted in shock, almost as if she had known him all along. A few months before the man's body was discovered, Jessica Thompson had a baby boy named Robin. Strangely, the boy's ears were the same distinctive shape as the Somerton man's, and the boy's teeth grew in the same unique pattern as the Somerton man's. Whoever the Somerton man was, it seemed awfully likely that he had fathered a child with Jessica Thompson. The police were incredibly close to solving the case, but Jessica Thompson refused to speak on the matter. She remained tight-lipped until the day she died in 2007, and all knowledge of the Somerton man's identity died with her. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the Somerton man, check out episodes of the ParCast original Unexplained Mysteries that dive deeper into the story. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. 
At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Joel Stein. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.